This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who is on this podcast and the other person who lives in my home. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Uh, How many clouds do you think you've seen over your entire life? Wow. Um... I'm going to say about 3,752,000. Yep. <laughs> I think uh, you really, really covered your bases by adding the about at the beginning of that. <laughs> uh, again, for maybe people who are tuning in for the first time, uh, I decided not to ask Sarah, how are you anymore? And instead, a random question that comes to me in the moment. <laughs> I don't know why clouds came to me. Maybe I just uh, want to float away. Yeah, you know I like clouds. I do know you like clouds, and I'm sure that you have a cloud journal you haven't told me about where you write down how many you saw that day. If only. <laughs> we should all have cloud journals. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm going to transition away from cloud journals to something that is not cloud journals, uh, which is a short apology. Uh, we have not had the podcast out in a little while. Just ran into a, a bunch of uh, life stuff and career stuff that really uh, left me, and I think you, Sarah, just kind of tap dancing. You know, I honestly feel like in the last two weeks, I have been like, you know when you're in a car and you are turning a pretty sharp corner, but you're not familiar with the road and you're not sure how long you are actually in the corner? <laughs> <laughs> so you don't know when you can kind of start to adjust to come out of the corner? I feel like I've that's where I have been as a human for about two weeks. Yeah, that's a great analogy. I have been in my own separate corner, not sure when our cars were going to be in alignment or perhaps collide. <laughs> well, our cars in a good way, not yeah. in a bad way. Just to yeah. be clear. Oh yeah, like our cars yeah. collide for dinner in a movie. Sometimes and yeah. sometimes not. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes there's a little scraping. Sometimes there's just a like, "Hello, goodbye." Yeah. Oh yes, yes. That we were. Definitely, my curve's going in a different direction now. Definitely, just uh, functionally a little bit of "Hello, goodbye." Yeah. Uh, it, which is weird when we live in a small apartment together, but that's the way schedules work sometimes. Anyway, point is, uh, for regular listeners, uh, I apologize uh, that we fell behind. Really uh, going to put lots of effort into staying caught up as we move forward. So with that out of the way, let's dive into the topic. Uh, this is something that I've been wanting to kind of check in with you about because it's something that uh, I'm obsessed with. I would assume that you have some level of obsession since it's something that we engage with quite often. <laughs> And that is a superhero television programs. Um, you and I together have watched many, right? Uh, we watch a lot of the CW shows, Arrow, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, Batwoman, Superman, and Lois lately. Uh, we watched a lot of the Netflix Marvel shows back in the day, Daredevil and Jessica Jones and all that. And then we've been all caught up on MCU shows like WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki. Right now I'm also still... Um, Rewatching Batman the Animated Series from back in the 90s, and I've been cut, catching up on some of those uh, HBO Max live uh, DC shows uh, like Doom Patrol and Titans. Uh, not Teen Titans, just Titans. Hmm. Um, so I've just been watching both with you and by myself for my sometimes, you know, half hour or hour of lunch television working from home, just a lot of superhero shows. <laughs> and it got me thinking about just kind of like, you know, wh why uh, they are still a draw to me. And, you know, what's different about them now that they aren't a rarity, now they are everywhere. There are so, so many of them. So to kick it off, I want to ask you for yourself, 
what is the main appeal of superhero television shows? Mm, I I like them because it, it's the spirit of adventure and the spirit of um of tired brains that think they have a word and can't think of it, but just that um that like what could be. Ooh, you know, I, possibility. I, yeah, yeah, and getting to see different versions of it play out uh, in different TV shows and different universes and different, you know, superheroes and all that. It's just it's a really fun way to like explore and daydream. Yeah, explore and daydream is great. Yeah, the, the, I'm sure there's a superhero called Cloud Counter at some <laughs> point, and there should be. I want to meet that one. Do you find, so when you say explore and dream, do you feel like it, there is an element of it then that is the the fantasy of seeing, you know, characters who in general on these shows are like, they have relatable human problems mm-hmm. and either they, they're like really relatable ones like relationships or like uh, it's relatable in terms of metaphor of like <laughs> uh, they're having a hard time uh, completing the big task at work and the big task at work might be destroy that guy from destroying the city stop that guy from destroying the city, but it's still relatable because it is uh, somebody trying to finish what they need to do while working through an issue, but it's all in that fantasy world instead of just watching like an actual human mm-hmm. in our world go through that. Is is that processing of real things through a fantasy lens, is that uh, appealing to you? Oh, yeah. I think that's absolutely part of it because it, it's just, it's a different way it's a different version of telling a story. You know, you get that, you do get those very relatable things, whether it's about, you know, what to have for lunch or it's about solving the big task in front of you, but it's relatable and it's relatable in a different way from a lot of other TV shows that, um, which I also enjoy many of, but like (laughs) whether they're in drama or comedy or things that are less well-defined than that, but it's just, it's a different approach and that's really fun. But it also, to me just does give that spirit of um imagination yeah because there is there's a different element to it yeah yeah absolutely and i think that is for me like a huge just top of the line is a kid what brought me in and when i take a step back and go like okay i'm an adult and i should be making choices about how my how i spend my time why is this amount of time devoted to this kind of storytelling mm-hmm. and i think some of it is just that deep true love of the fun and the fantasy of the what if you had powers what would be the joy of that what would be the responsibility of that uh just the thrill of of seeing something that you're not going to see in the real world. You're not going to see a real person uh, float into the sky and blast red beams out of their eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. And just that fun and that fantasy and the costumes, honestly, really, truly, the <laughs> the circus element of it. Like, I've talked a lot about on Obsessed when I trace back to my roots of why I like things. As an adult, I can really get into the big, like, themes and ideas and what do they mean, what do they represent. But as a kid, when you, you're not thinking that way and even if you are it's on like a subconscious level that you can't articulate i was just drawn to things that were different that weren't boring and beige and the same as the real world but were fantastic and i think i'm still attached to to the fantastic yeah yeah i can totally see that yeah so i mean that's a huge part of it i think also for me when i think about it it superhero is a genre onto itself Mm -hmm. and with it it comes come certain things like a an expectation of well there's going to be a certain amount of action if it's a superhero show mm-hmm. you know um the, you're going to see them use their powers they are going to wrestle with you know what is right and wrong there are a lot of like specific like eh, that comes with the superhero genre but i think the fascinating thing about the superhero genre is it, 
all of the different stories are almost riffs on another genre, right? Like anything in the kind of Superman world is a little bit of a riff on sci-fi, especially if you're watching Supergirl or Superman and Lois and they're dealing with aliens and their past in Krypton and what are the politics of outer space and Mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff. But then if you watch anything more in the sort of the Batman side of things or even I would argue Arrow or Titans, like you're really getting into noir. You're really getting into even just visually, aesthetically, dark shadows and, you know, urban noir with a a rain soaked alley with neon reflecting in it. And like it's a superhero show, but almost everyone is also tapping into some other genre like the MCU, I think, with the Disney Plus shows has been pursuing that, you know, pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And I think all the MCU movies do that, too. And it's really translating to the uh, the MCU Disney Plus shows. So there's that. You're almost getting like a two or three genres in one <laughs> every time you watch a superhero show. Um, and I think the final thing for me, just being really honest about it, is there is an element of soap opera to almost all of them, even the shorter ones, but speci- but particularly the CW ones. Yeah. Just like, honestly, like, how is their dating life going? Are they getting along with their sibling? Did they mess up at work today? Like the soap opera element has always been a part of uh, of comic books, at least, you know, um, in different ways. DC's earlier stuff being kind of one issue at a time, soap opera, and then the Marvel stuff, starting with Spider-Man and Fantastic Four, long running soap opera real life issues. And that is appealing to me, too. Yeah. Do you like the soap opera of it? Or when we're watching a show that you like and there's like maybe there's an episode where we're just really dealing with like who's dating who, who's got an internal issue that they're that they're not happy with, who lost their job. Are you ever to the point where like enough of that put on a costume and punch something? (laughs) Probably not put on a costume and punch something. Sometimes I might be like, okay, already let's fly through the air. Um, (laughs) You know, honestly, it depends for me on on who it is and how well the story is being told and how interesting it is. I find that I'm often a very character-driven TV watcher in particular. And so if it's a character that I like and a portrayal that I like and it's interesting and it doesn't feel too repetitive, yeah, I'm there for it for hours. Okay. No worries. But if it's like, okay, already this is kind of not as well-developed character and they've had this problem for three episodes in a row and just can't seem to deal with it. Like, is this going somewhere or not? So for me, it really depends. I think the other thing for me is it's also, um, there's a level of comfort. I think because it is that step removed from reality that you, I can watch things that if it were set in a version of our real world might be a little bit more stressful, but because it has that layer of separation from reality it can it can give that lo- level of both comfort, but also being able to get deeper into the highs, the lows, the dramas, the comedies, what's going on, you know, whether it's with dating or who needs to stop whom from, you know, blowing something up. <laughs> but I think that that, um, you know, a lot of times, especially if it's like after a long day where we've both been working and we just kind of need a moment to let our brains kind of refocus, that to me provides a level of comfort where my brain can just, okay, I'm just going to go to a different world for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And for me, like, it's even a fantasy world. Like, you have to accept the fantastic and, like, the, like, bare minimum fantastic you have to accept to watch a show like, say, Arrow is that uh, in superhero shows, 
knees are much stronger than they are in real <laughs> life, right? With all those superhero landings, all the jumping from one building to another. It's just like knees are made of concrete, and mm-hmm. this is a fantasy world, and it's a comforting place yep. to say knees are very strong. Yes, I'm going to sit are. down and watch one of those strong knee shows. <laughs> New genre t- subtitle. <laughs> Exactly. So as I often like to do uh, when we're talking here, I would like to go back to the beginning. I'm really curious for you, when you were growing up, did you actively watch any superhero shows or were you even vaguely aware of them? What What is your history with superhero shows? Yeah, I, um, I, I have to say that I probably fall into the vaguely aware, although I perhaps was much more aware and just don't remember. Yeah. Um, I what I remember is the Bionic Woman. Oh yeah, like that was my. But I don't know that I. I probably watched like three episodes of it on reruns at some point. And when you saw it though, was it like, oh, cool? She's this is this fantasy. This is this other world of a super strong human being. Um, it it was not that complex. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably six or seven, and I was just like, she's cool. How do I get to grow up to be like that? Well, I would say like that that to me is what I think of that is the that's what you're gravitating toward yeah. if you're asking that question. Yeah. You know, and yeah, like I'm saying, I don't think it's like what essay did you write about Bionic Woman when you're six? <laughs> it's not what I'm asking. So let me ask another question. Uh as you were getting a little bit older, like mm-hmm. maybe into junior high, high school, uh, and there were started to be more superhero things around and in a little bit more popularity, did you have any judgment? Like if we had met when we were in high school and uh, like and I and you had found out that this guy you just met really likes superheroes and wants as many TV shows as possible, would that have would you have had any judgment of like, oh, superheroes are they're X, Y or Z? No, I don't think not that I can recall. I, I don't think I thought a lot about it. Um, <laughs> I, that is a fair and valid answer, but I want to hear more. <laughs> But I think, um, you know, I I might have been intrigued of like, oh, well, maybe that would be interesting. I might have been cautious to share how little I actually understood what you were saying. <laughs> um, yeah, that probably would have Tell me amazing. if that happens now in our adult <laughs> life, please. Oh, I do. Okay. Okay. Uh, did you have any, uh, not negative judgment, but... As more things started to come out, did you have any sort of, um, did you pick up, up any gender baggage that you weren't supposed to like superheroes or superhero shows? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely some. I, it was, it was definitely around um, growing up. I think that's part of why I didn't think about it a lot. Um, and then as, as more things started to come out in terms of uh, shows or whatnot, and I would sometimes kind of dip my toes in that water. It did kind of feel like, okay, well, I'm just going to see what this is about. But, you know, maybe I don't talk about it and clearly it's not being marketed to me. And, you know, but I, so yes, that was absolutely present. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. And I'm glad (laughs) that those times I think have changed somewhat and hopefully will keep changing i yeah. mean certainly obviously they they have changed, changed yeah. um in terms of the marketing in terms of the representation you mm-hmm. know it can always get better but obviously there's so much you know more representation in these shows than just like hey boys you want to see batman punch someone right like you know mm-hmm. there's so much more than it used to be um yeah i think for me it is something that that 
got in very, very early. Superheroes and comic books, but also I think uh, the thrill of seeing them live action. Like one of my mm. very earliest memories is seeing a rerun of the 60s Batman and Robin show. Had no idea it was camp. Just thought it was the most thrilling and exciting thing ever. Um, and then it it went out of, you know, uh, being aired in the local station. And then it was gone for me for for so long. It was a holy grail to ever be able to see that again. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and then there was like a couple things on in the in the late seventies, early eighties. You know, there was the Hulk, uh, and I was obsessed with getting to see that. Um, I remember I had a gender lesson <laughs> very early on about the way things were back in those days. Is I we were at some friends of my parents' house, and uh, there was a girl my age. I and I it was very very young, and. Uh, I thought that she would like the Hulk too. And we were sitting there watching the Hulk. And I thought, well, she would like it if I pretended to be the Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) So I ripped off my shirt and was like, roar. And she just ran out of the room screaming. It was a very formative experience on many levels uh, that I'm sure I can continue to learn lessons from. Uh, I'm sure I was told that that was probably, you know, in my mind, it was like, she'll like this right (laughs) (laughs) like we're Uh, playing we're acting out the hulk yeah yeah and i'm sure i was uh probably told not to do that again and i'm sure i i took that lesson in uh but yeah so there was this like deep desire to see them and to connect with other people about them and some lessons early on about ooh, don't connect that way or i remember once i wanted to uh i had got a spider woman comic and i wanted to be spider woman when we're just playing outside and like some other kids told me like you can be Spider-Man. You cannot be Spider-Woman. So, like, mm. swirling around in this, there's definitely, like, some some baggage and some lessons mm. uh, that I'm glad to have shed. Um, but anyway, point being, there was so little on-screen live action that forever, it, in my mind, it was, you know, a, a thing to be dreamed of. And now I'm in this weird place of, like, there might be a little bit too much dream. <laughs> <laughs> not not being made, but more than I can absorb. Or maybe, right. you know, because I, I, I just feel like I have been it, by myself since my youth programmed to be like, if there's a superhero on television, you better watch that. Like, I almost feel like like somebody grew up with a specific kind of food not being available. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, my family, we could never have cheese. So I get extra cheese on everything. Like, I feel like that about superhero shows. Yeah. This, and that's part of what I want to question, you know? Yeah, this is like your depression era You've got to save everything because you don't know when it might go away. <laughs> yeah. So you have to watch everything because it might just be gone again. Yeah. And it's not rational. Yeah. I don't think it's going anywhere. And if it does, it will be just because of the natural ebb and flow of uh, popular culture. I don't think the appeal of superheroes on the small screen is going to go anywhere. But yeah. th- there might be a decrease in the amount of content. Who knows? Um Anyway, let's move on uh, to closer to the present, mm-hmm. but still in the past. Um, I think we wa- we definitely watched some movies together, um, but the first big thing that you and I, I think really watched together is shortly after we moved to Los Angeles uh, and we had some more free time, we devoured the first several seasons of Arrow on the CW. So what hooked you? What was that experience like for you? Yeah, so I was I was a little hesitant about it, uh, as I recall. Of like, okay, yeah, I'll try this. Not so sure it'll be for me, but sure, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm up to try things, and 
the the storytelling hooked me right away as well as um how insanely excited you were (laughs) (laughs) it was just it was um i mean i i enjoyed it very much for myself but i don't have any of the background for arrow um and so i was like oh well this is intriguing and you know what's the story and what are these characters doing and i was i was hooked right away and enjoyed it very much and probably would have continued watching it if it were just me sitting in our apartment watching it and it was just you connected with the characters you connected with their plight yeah yeah and that is i think absolutely the first like superhero tv show other than occasional reruns that i don't really remember when i was a little kid yeah that i have remember seeing but then just the pure delight that you had in seeing it on screen and seeing (laughs) all these connections to different characters that you knew and how excited you were it was like seeing somebody who didn't think that Christmas actually came more than once in their life, <laughs> but then Christmas has come back, and uh, it was just. And now like, they're like three Christmases a day, <laughs> and it's hard to keep up. It's true. It's true. So then sometimes you need to go put Christmas in the Christmas room and close the door. <laughs> but uh, but that was part of it too. Is just I mean I love seeing you that incredibly happy, and you were so willing to share and so cautious about giving me information but not giving me too much information and it was it was a really nice way to kind of um walk into the swimming pool yeah. of superhero tv shows yeah it was well i think we had a really good circular experience because i i know that you were excited that i was excited and you had told me that and you were an extremely kind partner that way where you see my excitement uh, is a part of your excitement but it was really circular then because you were really engaged you know mm-hmm. And like, and I got that vibe of like, oh, this isn't just, this makes me happy. So she's going along with something that she could kind of go either way on. But it, you were clearly invested in it. And we're both in that great spot of like, let's watch three more. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I was absolutely watching it because I wanted to. It was not a like, okay, well, you want to watch this and I don't mind it. So fine. Yeah. It was, it yeah. was a mutual choice. I think for me, it was, uh, also, there's so much in storytelling where, you know, once it's locked and done, unless you get a special edition, that's what it is. But it changes every time based on who is watching it and when and what's going on in their lives. And for me, the journey with Arrow was so great of the tradition often in uh, small screen adaptations and movie adaptations, but particularly on the small screen is if you if you see a superhero, that's great. You got to watch it. But it's going to be janky and weird and wrong, and it's only going to be marginally related to the comic book versions, right? Like, that just, was just a thing that was, like, known and understood. And, uh, and Arrow looked like that. Like, I remember seeing an ad and, like, oh, they're not even going to call him Green Arrow. Oh, they're afraid of the word green. They're not going to go all the way. He's going to be Arrow. And, like, I think, like, the first picture was just, like, topless, ripped Stephen Amell. Like, oh, okay. So they're, like... I had that real cranky, like, just do green arrow, put him in a costume or don't do like, so I had, I was real grumpy about it. Mm -hmm. And then I had a bunch of friends going like, no, actually it's, it's really good. They're pulling a lot from the comics. It's the reinterpretation of him, but it's really great. Uh, And a lot of the inspiration of those early seasons, a lot of details um, were pulled of from characters and ideas from my very first comic book love, the, Oh, uh, uh, the Marv Wolfman and George Perez run of Teen Titans. And, like the first shot 
you don't know why, but uh, Deathstroke the Terminator's mask is there. And that was like, that was the first thing I was just like, well, I never thought I would see that mask on screen. Now I've seen it on screen many times, and I will, <laughs> again, many other interpretations. But that was that first, and it really is like that. I never thought this would happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was that definitely really pulled me in. Uh, other thing about Arrow, you have failed this city. It's, it's, a, it's a great, fun catchphrase. And sometimes even when I'm just driving around and I see somebody in Los Angeles do something stupid, I say to myself, you have failed this city. <laughs> oh, that's such a good idea. Can will you share? Can I share that yeah, with you? Please. I mean, can I also do that? Can I copy you? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> Sorry. No, please, please share the uh, the catchphrase that I have stolen. I think you can you can share absolutely. <laughs> uh, so we got into uh, Arrowverse, and I think both being on board with superhero shows, which was great because I then didn't feel like as different ones came up, I didn't feel like this was a genre that you were like, eh, whatever. I felt like you were truly interested, mm-hmm. and now it wasn't as they continued. It wasn't about as much like the framework that I used to have of. How are they adapting the comics? Like there still is that, but they're moving forward. They're talking to one another. They're talking to the modern pop culture. You know, it isn't so much about the, here's the way Batman's supposed to be done. Did you do it? Check the boxes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've gotten to kind of go into all of this together mm-hmm. from from kind of a similar place. So now that we've watched a ton of superhero shows, uh, what are your favorites and why? Yeah, well... It, it has varied a lot, I'm going to say. Some of them I have some favorite seasons and other seasons not so much. <laughs> um, current favorite right now probably is Superman and Lois. I just think they're knocking it out of the park or did with this first season. Yeah. And um, just combination of, you know, to me, I think Superman is a hard one to do at this point because it's been done so many times, not only with, you know, just with TV shows alone, there's been so many different interpretations. So how do you do it and make it interesting and make it different and make people want to watch the stories that you're telling? And I just think they've really done a fantastic job. Yeah. So, I think yeah. by kind of reinventing it, uh, spoilers for anybody, this is the first episode, though. By reinventing it, having Superman and Lois be, you know, they are married, they are together. There's no dance about secret identity. They have kids and they're in this different setting. Mm-hmm. You know, it immediately takes everything that is interesting about the Superman mythos and gives it a different perspective. And and strangely, it, it's like it feels so like vital and real to me because it is talking about rural America, both the sort of what might be some of the negative stereotypes versus a thing that I don't think we get to talk about enough. Like, what are the actual challenges? Because it's so easy to get into sort of urban versus rural. And mm-hmm. the show is doing such a great job of from a, from a place of like kindness and empathy going okay but what are the real challenges you know so there's so much there to love and they're clearly putting some budget into it so yeah. if you want the fantasy like i i had a couple like even after watching so much superhero like wow superman just did that <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah move super fast smash through wall you know heat vision damn yeah yeah absolutely yeah so that one's great what are mm-hmm. some other thoughts from you um Staying on the superhero theme for a moment, um, early seasons of Supergirl, I was really quite fond of. Yeah. Um, and the Legends of Tomorrow, I really, I feel like found had a few different like versions of itself, but I really like where it's gone to. Yeah. And I, um, 
I feel like I like I feel like that one's the most willing to just kind of play and be all over the place and sometimes you need to be wacky and that's okay (laughs) yeah I think Legends of Tomorrow really found itself kind of in the second season like the first season was was great I think some people don't like it I, I enjoyed it right away but I think once it really figured out like oh we we have license to embrace being weird in that this setup of like you know they're not legends yet but they will be and be mm-hmm. the like the sort of uh you know the joke that they're the c team or the d team who's trying to pull it together but at the same time it's like but you're actually much more powerful than some of the superheroes we watch like you you're taking care of all of time that's yeah. kind of a big responsibility you're legends yeah right? but yeah just how much it embraced uh having a sense of humor like still having real stakes for the the characters and their relationships and the stakes of the actual adventure but in tone embracing the weird the absurd all that mm-hmm. not worrying about being cool and gritty yeah yeah and i think going back to what you were saying originally about different superhero shows um are often connected to different genres i often have an affinity toward time travel shows yeah and that one very much obviously has a time travel element to it so i think that is also a natural fit for me that that's one that i would enjoy yeah yeah, yeah absolutely um i think legends of tomorrow is a big one for me superman and lois i'm really enjoying all the mcu shows oh yes. i've enjoyed all three of them uh so far we're getting caught up on what if out of the the uh, MCU shows, the Disney Plus ones that have, uh, do you, oh, <laughs> I was going to ask you if you had a favorite, but your body language said, don't make me do this. Don't make me choose. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Let I me ask you a different yeah. question. Uh-huh. Which one floats into your mind more often? Mm, well, little bit of an unfair question. <laughs> right now, WandaVision, because I've been listening to the... Um, They've released the soundtracks to each episode. Oh, wow. And I've been listening to those. Okay. So that one creeps into mind. Speaking of soundtracks, the Loki one for episodes one through three. Amazing. Loki might be my favorite music of any superhero show. It is so distinct and so powerful and so beautifully weird. I love that music. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think they're all, I think they're all great. Uh, and I would not choose a favorite either like WandaVision was so <laughs> bold right and mm-hmm. intriguing and Loki had got some comparisons to Doctor Who but and it is a time travel show but for me it was it was Loki is wrestling with entirely different kinds of issues than the Doctor mm-hmm. you know about you know does he have uh free will the Doctor is very aware that he has free will and wrestles with what <laughs> to do with it and Loki's kind of wrestling with do do I even have that yeah. And, you know, and that whole idea of glorious purpose of do I have it? And if I do, what the hell do I want my glorious purpose to be? That's just such a compelling and interesting idea. And some of the trappings are very Doctor Who like, but those questions are very unique to Loki. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also really liked the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Me too. I think they're all really being super aware of being different mm-hmm. and being different in a way that reflects the characters and reflects all of the different things that a superhero show can be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think for me, when it gets down to like the, the why do I like different ones? I think at this point, I really crave that unique tone. I really want it to be a different experience. I really want them to dive into the different genres. So it doesn't start to feel uh, repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also, uh, inventive action 
so I again, so I don't feel like I've been I've seen it again, you know, mm-hmm. so that it the action is somehow really dependent on who are the characters and what kind of action set pieces would they have based on who they are. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm seeing something that I haven't seen before. Yeah. Yeah. I like that very much. I also need to call out, um, if I may, please one do more, um, kind of talking about as things continue and when they're new in a brush of breath of fresh air, when they occur, but then it becomes more common. So it doesn't feel as new as it was when it was original. But the first season of Jessica Jones was just, um, I think especially I will speak for myself to see such a female led show was um, game changing and was amazing. And, you know, talk about empowerment and representation. It was great to, you know, for myself as a woman to have that experience, which is not an experience that I felt like I'd had in, in many instances before. And I'm thrilled that now there's many things and it's not the like, wow, this is amazing that it's, you know, a lot of uh, women involved with this because there are other shows where that's true. Yeah. But it was, um, to me, it really broke a lot of molds for that first season. No, I totally agree. I really enjoyed uh, a a lot of those Netflix shows. And then uh, those Netflix shows were really fascinating because they, they really did capture the cultural zeitgeist because they were, they were new and fresh and it was you know, this kind of Marvel on TV. Um, and then uh, there's some stumbles in it. And I think there's like some stumbles uh, with people's reaction to them, mm-hmm. whether fair or not, whatever people's opinion is, is their opinion. But I think it also coincided with a time where the binge model kind of lost relevance. Because mm-hmm. I think it got to a point where people realized like, okay, those are kind of long. Those are 13 hour long episodes. So it was only like the most hardcore people who could say, I am doing nothing for the entire weekend. And it, it really eroded the ability to make them conversations. And -hmm. I think we're seeing the change now that a lot of these shows are weekly again and they can be conversations Mm -hmm. And that binge model, especially for something that's 13 hours long is, is much harder to keep that relevance and that power. But I so agree with you about Jessica Jones and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, the power of that and what was wonderful about it for me is it wasn't just she is a tough, sarcastic woman like it. That show was a she was a fully fleshed out character and that show was about issues that women have to deal with. It was that first season was explicitly about somebody trying to take her power away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. That, absolutely. that made it really powerful and really whole. Yeah. And it was, um, I, I realize this happens with other characters, but it was really nice to see a very flawed uh, character on stage for that, on, yeah. stage, on screen. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a live action Jessica Jones uh, 13-hour play that you haven't told me about? Didn't you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also with that kind of some of the crossover, which was, you know, happens in other TV shows, but in particular with her and Luke Cage, I really liked some of that crossover. Yeah, I will also throw that out of one of the things that really makes a difference to me is getting to see the superheroes bounce up against one another. Like Supergirl was so great, so smart. It, it has always been one of the challenges of of uh, Superman shows, Supergirl shows, when you have a character like that powerful. How do you balance it all? How do you add variety? And not only just like great cast of characters and great relationships, but I love that Supergirl was right away is like, and also Martian Manhunter is in this. So <laughs> <laughs> so Supergirl has somebody with a different perspective to bounce off of. Mm-hmm. Because that's one of the things that took forever for the adaptation of comic books to make it to the screen. 
and I think one of the incredible powers of the MCU that maybe when people are trying to replicate it don't understand is the characters become more fully formed when they have relationships with the others in different perspectives and bounce off of one another. You know, mm-hmm. I, it, the the power of like the event first Avengers film isn't just, you know, you can feel that power of like, oh, everybody will love it if these two characters fight. And like, yep, we do. And it's cool. But it's much more compelling to realize that Iron Man maybe resents Captain America because his dad, who he feared didn't love him, never shut up about this guy. And now, like, his actual fear, his anxiety has been unfrozen from the ice and is in his face yelling at him. Now, that's fascinating, right? Because it's these two characters bouncing off of one another. Yeah. So anything where there's there are characters bouncing off of one another with different perspectives, it just that it much uh, more strongly taps into what the actual magic of actual comic books is and why why people kept reading them to the point of popularity that they're on screen now. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, quick shout out is not a modern show, but when I reflect on it, it is really one of my favorite superhero television shows of anything is, uh, early two thousands growing out of the Batman, the animated series. Uh, there was a justice league, a show called justice league and then justice league unlimited and unlimited featured like every character they had legal access to. Uh, but it was the ultimate let's bounce all the different perspectives off one another. So you got to see the characters in different lights because they weren't carrying the narrative by themselves. They didn't have to be all things. Right. Superman in that is kind of like this, uh, a little bit huffy puffy. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to hold everything together. I'm always trying to keep everybody up to my moral standard. Whoops. I made a mistake and now I wasn't, I didn't, I dropped my own moral standard. Now everybody's pointing and yelling at me and I'm always trying to, I always got to rush into things and be worried about everything because I'm technically the most powerful, but I also have to hold my power back because I don't want to accidentally crush something. Like it deals with these kind of, some of these kind of Superman issues that are easier to deal with when he's surrounded by other people. Yeah, that's really cool. And it's just such a great example of the power of lots of characters bouncing off of each other uh, in the superhero genre. Um, I think final thing for me about why I like different shows, we're in a fascinating place now is I still love all my CW friends. But these real short MCU seasons is putting a lot of pressure on the CW shows to to make you as a viewer go, let's resolve that problem. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that is not a critique of the writers because they're given a number of episodes mm-hmm. that Absolutely. they're going to fill. Yeah. You know, but we're in a really interesting time where I think these very short movie like almost in structure Disney Plus shows are going to put pressure on shows like CW to be like, you're going to, if you watch a tight six to eight episode story and then you watch 24 episodes of Flash, you're going to feel that. Right. In contrast, in right. a way that you didn't necessarily before. Yeah. Um, so I want to, uh, uh, I want to discuss a little bit of the contrast in the kinds of shows that are out there. There are many, many varieties but you can kind of break down some of the superhero shows right now by the the more hopeful or the more brooding. Do you have a preference there? <laughs> uh, yeah, I like the more hopeful ones. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's. Uh, that makes a ton of sense to me. But I want to ask about Batwoman because yeah. we've been watching Batwoman. We've yeah. been enjoying Batwoman. Every once in a while, you know, when uh, we're picking what we're going to watch tonight, you know, and we both agree, like, let's watch some superhero friends. That's what we usually say when we're going to get caught up on. 
all the DVR CW. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're like, ah, I really like Batwoman, but is that the mood for tonight? Is that a response to the fact that uh, the show certainly has hope, but in general, it's set in the Gotham, everything's rough, a little bit darker, grittier, more noir vibe. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're responding to when there's some nights where you're not sure? Yeah, I think so. I think sometimes it's about the the gritty. Sometimes it, that one can be a little bit more um, viscerally um, dark as well. And I think sometimes it's more about that. Like, I don't, <laughs> this sounds horrible, but like, I, I need a little bit of a break from feeling that. <laughs> and so sometimes it's about the, the visceralness of it. And yeah. sometimes it is about the gritty. Um, and, and sometimes it's just kind of like, I just, my, my brain, I really enjoy that woman, but, but I feel like it kind of uses a different part of my brain than some of the other shows. Mm. Um, especially maybe like the seasons we're on of like Flash and Supergirl. I, I, I don't mean this, I can't think of a better word, but like they can be a little bit on the f- the fluffier side. Yeah. Which there's a better word for that than what I mean, but uh, I don't mean that as a as a negative thing. But sometimes I just need like it's like when you need food that's comforting and not challenging. Yeah. And no. it's not I'm not saying that that woman is always challenging, but I think sometimes there's just I think it's almost that more that visceralness of like I just need to know that the chair is going to stay a chair the entire time I'm watching this show. <laughs> and some days I've just really been in that mood. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I think like for me, like a a good example of that is, you know, there, there are good stakes in both shows, but Supergirl is almost always just striving to be like, I know I'm a beacon of hope and how can I get past what's bothering me to, to keep being that person? And, mm-hmm. you know, you know, maybe she'll lift somebody up this week or maybe somebody else will have to lift her up. But in general, it, there's going to be some lifting up. Mm-hmm. And Batwoman, you, you're right. I, I'm making it sound just aesthetic. But with Batwoman, there's been some incredibly visceral things. I don't really want to mention them because I don't mm-hmm. want to spoil it. But some like real like, oh, I thought I was watching some fun, gritty noir. And then there's like an emotional choice that a character has to make that is extremely dark and hits you in a very real place and in a very deep way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that like kind of not knowing if it's going to be a this is a fun Gotham themed adventure or a massive gut punch. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a great way of putting it. And honestly, there have been days when I've said like, oh, let's watch, you know, one of the other, um, in particular, CW shows, and then they'll suddenly give a gut punch. So they all, they're all capable of it. <laughs> they're all capable <laughs> of punching in the gut, which they should because they're superheroes. They exactly. That's what they do. Exactly. It's on their business cards. Who goes up to a superhero and asks for a punch and doesn't expect to sometimes get a gut punch? <laughs> exactly. Um yeah, I think for me, I, I've i talked many times on the podcast of my sort of uh, swinging relationship with uh, when I wanted at times where I thought if it's brooding, it's good. And now I feel like I have lived with brooding for a long time. So I feel like been there, done that. So in this weird place where like the Titan show I'm watching, it's, it's kind of glorious because some of these characters I haven't seen on screen and they're like my absolute foundation fundamental characters. Uh and they've been through lots of changes in the comics, and this is definitely an adaptation that is choosing to be gritty. This is the one that made its big reveal at Comic-Con by playing a trailer that featured Robin saying, F Batman. Um, it, so this it, it's wearing its gritty on its sleeve. Uh, and sometimes I'm in the mood for that, but honestly, like, uh, there's a lot of times in there, there's like just a shot of like, that's really cool. 
it's like I've really still been enjoying the brooding like on an aesthetic level, but then watching like Superman and Lois is fascinating to me because it, Superman and Lois is doing a good job of creating truly dire stakes and really pushing the people who go like, yeah, but we can't lose hope. And to me, like that just feels that's really interesting mm-hmm. because I think it's the battle that we're in, in in the real world. It's so easy to just go, yeah, no, everything's everything's a mess, but you, you can't keep functioning and trying to make things better unless you hold on to that hope. Mm-hmm. And so the shows that are really wrestling with how do we hold on to the hope? I think are the ones that are in some ways that narrative is more appealing to me right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, yeah. Wow. Another bad thing happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. And, and I, I do want to clarify, I don't just want, you know, like shiny, sunny skies with some clouds that I can count. Uh, hope. I think that's one of the things that actually I really liked about arrow is it did have oftentimes a fair amount of grit, but with a sense of hope within the grit. Mm-hmm. And I kind of liked that. I think there's a reason that Felicity was a surprise hit on that show. is because she brought in that sense of humor mm-hmm. and that sense of perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that was a like a really great lesson learned by that show that you need, even within the gritty, you need a little bit of that perspective characters like what what is this you know what what is this obsession about mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah uh, any other thoughts on on hopeful versus brooding um no no they okay. both have their place excellent excellent w- would you describe any of the three current uh uh disney plus mcu shows is either hopeful or brooding or do you feel like they're kind of their own thing because they've grown out of the mcu and are, are different you know, kind of playing in different genres. Mm. I I feel like I would probably want to find different words to describe them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something about DC that Batman and Superman have kind of always been the pillars. Wonder Woman as well, but Wonder Woman has not got as much uh, representation until mm-hmm. these big screen uh, explosions. Uh, but the pillars, there's always been an interesting aesthetic thing where the pillars of DC is... Superman uh, lives in bright, <laughs> wonderful metropolis, and he can fly up there and, and count uh, the clouds. And Batman lives in dark, brooding, falling apart, art deco, gothic Gotham. You know, and I think sometimes the, the challenges kind of bring them together. Whereas in Marvel, like, they all live in New York. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them live in L.A. when they start the West Coast Avengers. But, like, that's always been an aesthetic, literally in the comic books, mm-hmm. and then brought to the television shows that they do live in the real world up to a point. And so it kind of aesthetically brings them together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they also live in, you know, other places like weird fantasies. <laughs> uh, Asgard. Things like that. Yeah, no. um, yeah, you know, things like that. Uh, this is maybe a question that it would will be a challenge for you. Uh, so if your answer is, I don't know, that is just fine. But I'm curious for you, I want to get perspective. Is there a character that you're aware of in pop culture, a superhero character who you feel like you haven't seen on screen yet that you're like, I would be so excited to see that character on screen? Like one that exists that I haven't seen yeah. on screen? Um, there's one that exists that I have heard about that I believe we have seen in a cameo on something. It might be coming in something soon. And I'm <laughs> so curious to know more. And this that is Dazzler. Ooh, that's so great. Yes, because I think I, I have been on about Dazzler. She has a 
cameo in uh, an Easter egg in one of the X-Men movies. It's not, you know, full out, you know, uh, Dazzler. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, oh man, I would, Dazzler is one of my last, Dazzler and She-Hulk were two of my last big ones on the Marvel side. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and She-Hulk's, She-Hulk. She-Hulk's coming. I'm so excited for She-Hulk, but yeah, Dazzler. Dazzler TV show, right? uh, Yeah, I would love a Dazzler TV show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if anybody isn't familiar with Dazzler, she was, you know, invented uh, in the general disco era as a mutant uh, who has sound and light powers. And one of those characters who really should have been sort of like, they're so of their moment, right? But like, (laughs) even when I was a kid, like, and and the disco landscape was changing abruptly. I I got attached to her because I didn't. I don't think I ever even collected any Dazzler comics, but she popped up in the comics I collected, New Mutants and uh, diff- different limited series. And I just kind of so fascinated because I think superheroes in general, but the MCU in particular, has done such a great job of diving in and finding like the heart of a character and like if they survived. And people still know about them because there are plenty of superheroes that just disappeared because mm-hmm. they didn't have a hook that spoke to people. But a musician who manipulates light and sound, that's, you know, there's something there that is powerful. And then the, the weird thing of like where she starts and how do you re a character based in music? How do you how does that character evolve over time mm-hmm. in the way we tell stories about them? Like, I think it would be so fascinating for the MCU to to dig into that. Right. Yeah, so Dazzler is a big one for me. Uh, one of the other ones for uh, the DC side of things is Doctor Fate, uh, but he's coming up. Oh yeah. Thing. And then I think a huge, a huge thing for me that got me sort of reflecting, and one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast is one of my absolute go-to favorite characters is Nightwing. So uh, original uh, Robin, Dick Grayson. Uh, is leading the Teen Titans when I'm collecting that comic book. I think he's so cool. I have a strong bond to Robin because, as I've mentioned many times on the podcast before, my brother and I divided things. And, you know, he was Spock. I was Kirk. He was Han. I was Luke. He was Batman. I was Robin. But Robin had an extra power to me because he was the kid sidekick. Mm-hmm. You know? And I totally. was, you know, nerdy and scrawny and, you know... uh my older brother and I shared many things, but, you know, especially when I was young, very young, uh, like he was he was doing things for me or telling me how the world worked because we were enough of an age difference. Like he helped teach me to read uh, with a Fantastic Four comic book, you know. So I think I really internalized that that Robin aspect of, well, I exist in relationship to this older person, mm. but I should but I want to set out and be my own person, too. Uh, and that's what, you know, Robin was in the Teen Titans comic book. Yeah. And then he eventually got to this point where he's like, well, I don't want to be Robin anymore because I'm always the, I'm, there's an and in front of my name. People don't just see me. They see this missing shadow of Batman. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to become my own person, my own thing. And he becomes Nightwing. And that was like really powerful, informative for me to read. So I've always had really been attached to Nightwing. Watch this Titan show. He and he eventually spoilers for anybody who doesn't know. He eventually becomes Nightwing, and it was just he. That was like one of my foundation characters, and to finally see him on the screen was like really full circle for me because that's like, like I said, that's like my foundation comic, a foundation yeah. character, and it made me take a step back and go, 
I, in some ways, like, okay, I, uh, has the circle been completed? And not, <laughs> not that I don't want to watch superhero shows, but, like, for me to step back and question that, <laughs> as you put it, depression era, like, I got to watch them in case they go away, because these are rare. <laughs> like, they're not rare, and they're not going away, and it's totally up to me. Like, I saw Nightwing, <laughs> I can take a deep breath, take a step back and go, which of these do I really want to watch in the now because I want to watch them now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. And what a fun experience that one like Nightwing that you have such a strong bond to that hasn't been shown all the time that we got to that point that you do get to actually see that on screen. Yeah, I mean, he's popped up in animated things, but that the, the live action. Yeah, is, yeah exactly. It's, yeah, it's pretty damn great. Uh, so another question for you is someone who has made clothes yourself mm-hmm. and has, uh, in my opinion, a very good fashion sense. Do you have any strong opinions about superhero costumes? <laughs> you know, over the years, sometimes I have, sometimes I haven't, sometimes I have not, um, both about superhero costumes. Uh, there was a short time there when I was getting really opinionated without knowing much <laughs> about um, superhero shoes. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> So that was fun. Uh, I just took a sip of my beer and I almost spit it out. <laughs> Tell me more about your strong superhero shoe opinions. Well, I just got really obsessed with what um, what shoes superheroes were wearing, but I wasn't. It was before a lot of um, it was before t- superhero TV shows were a thing, and as I've you know said many times, I just wasn't really a comics reader, so I was just kind of obsessed with the images of them and what they were wearing as opposed to like the story that was being told yeah and if it applied it it was it was mainly about you know if if the women's footwear was appropriate (laughs) oh yes well this is a good thing to have a strong opinion about are you talking about like the fighting heels kind of thing that kind of thing it was both about like what's absolutely ridiculous also you know which boots would i want (laughs) (laughs) um yeah yeah but absolutely that's part of where it kind of a a dual like which ones i i come and go in like my obsession about shoes which i've talked about on this podcast before um but i think i was in a like peak shoe obsessed time and also somehow had kind of something i think had come out where somebody was fighting in heels or something ridiculous or like doing that jump off a building in heels and it's just like come on they're not even platform heels like <laughs> this is a strong knees show not strong ankles show <laughs> get with it um yeah so sometimes i get cranky about things like yeah. that and so then i just kind of went on a little spin for a while of every time i would see a, a picture or something would come up about a different superhero um, I would always be like, okay, but what are their shoes? Yeah. You know, there's practical. What would be better shoes? What's actually within like the sole of the shoes? Does it help them? Kind of sometimes wanting to get in my own little head about technical specifications of the shoes that they were wearing. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Yeah, that's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and are you happier with some of the boots you're seeing or shoes you're seeing these days? Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, it's so funny. I haven't thought this was years ago, and I haven't thought about this for years. Um, so I have not thought about it throughout all of the superhero things we've been watching. So I need to pay more attention. It's, I don't think it's happening as much because no. I think the the world agreed with your perspective of what yes. are you doing 
Yes. Yes. I think there's a lot of outrage about it. And I'm always a fan of a good pair of boots. So. Yeah. No. And there are a lot of great boots uh, out there uh, for all all genders. That's right. (laughs) Uh, So is there anything else uh, besides uh, solid (laughs) boots that you're looking for (laughs) in superhero costumes? You know, when appropriate, I do appreciate a good cape. Yeah. You Um, like some billowing in the wind? I do. I do. I don't think that capes are always necessary or um, appropriate, but, um, (laughs) you know. I want to see an inappropriate cape. Like somebody who turns invisible and then like a cape gets in the way and is the cape invisible? Um, You know, or like um, what's, what's the elastic? character oh yeah elongated elongated man on the flash, man yeah. on the flash. like a cape is that i mean i guess if it were also stretchy stretchy but yeah yeah, yeah. that seems yeah See, so there's okay. sometimes where it's just like but why okay you don't want unnecessary inappropriate capes but you like a good <laughs> billowing cape i do or you know i mean if it's for a good comedic effect i'll take that too. yeah fair enough fair enough i think for me i'm so happy with the general direction it's going where uh you know there starts with um a concern that like, okay, if people are going to take this seriously, they can't be too loud or bright or weird. And, you know, they still, I think, are generally toned down in terms of, of colors. Um, and they are built like real costumes instead of like, you know, the comic book aesthetic. It's, it is often like, these are not drawn as clothing. It's just, uh, they, Wolverine is shrink wrapped into his bright costume. And right. That you, you can see all of his abs. <laughs> you can see what his abs had for lunch. You're like, and it's not realism, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, they've gotten so the fear that people will accept superheroes, but they won't really accept their costumes. I'm so happy that's going away of like, it is a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Invest in the fantasy. You know, I think actually one of the most fantastic things about superhero shows that often amuses me is like they're in their secret base uh, they get an alert about what is clearly a massively time sensitive event, like a bank robbery. And then you get the shot of like the cool suit up. <laughs> like, and you know, like putting on your costume, just your costume takes at least 15 minutes. <laughs> and then you got to take an elevator and then you got to get to your thing. Like, but, but it's a fantasy, right? Like I have no interest in sort of nitpicking that because you can watch realism shows mm-hmm. and, this is a fantasy. Their knees work better and they can put their costumes on and get to the bank yeah. on time before yeah. it's done being robbed. All within one minute. All within one minute because it's a fantasy. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, if you were in danger, which television superhero friend would you want to rescue you? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, it depends on what kind of danger. <laughs> Emotional, physical. Right. I mean. Spiritual. Sometimes. So my first thought, maybe because we were just talking about her earlier, um, Batwoman. Oh, yeah. But Batwoman's not the right person for every situation. Supergirl's pretty, you know, all around. Oh, yeah. Um, Wanda, I would, you know, I I mean, really, here's the thing. I'm not actually going to be like, nope, I'm going to stay in danger (laughs) until my preferred superhero comes around. (laughs) Yes, I just meant if you had, (laughs) like, if you're able to call one from fantasy world into reality, who do you trust to rescue you? Yeah. Or who do you think has the right powers? Yeah. Let's say you are, you're at a bank and it's being robbed and you you, you have a little buzzer and you can call someone we watch on television. Who do you trust to get there and resolve the situation? And keep you and everyone else safe. Mm, wow. 
I mean, that's kind of a hard question. I know. That's that's my job <laughs> to ask hard questions. It is your job. It's my job to answer hard questions. Um Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm gonna stick with Supergirl. Okay. Yeah, because Supergirl is careful to make sure that things don't get wrong, don't go wrong. She mm-hmm. is she cares about everybody, right? Yep. Right. Yep. Okay. Yep, that's part of it. She cares about everybody. She's going to get the situation resolved. Um, she's got, depending on what happens, she's got a lot of different abilities. So she can stop a lot of things from happening or protect herself or those around her because I don't want her to get hurt either. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think. Who would I, you choose? I would call. Call. Uh, excuse me. Or, yeah, whatever it is. Be- buzzer. I would buzz <laughs> either animated Batman from Batman the Animated Series uh-huh. uh, because in general he is quite successful uh, mm-hmm. on his missions. Every once in a while he gets a little setback, but then somebody else helps him out. Uh, but also uh, the, there's a lot of gunfire in that show and Batman is tremendous at dodging bullets. So I think he would make sure that nobody gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Wanda. Yeah, I mean, I think, right. <laughs> I think because there is... You know, in her storytelling, the MCU, but in particular in WandaVision, there is a a celebration that is cathartic of she has a bonkers amount of power. And even she is just learning how much and choosing how to use it. So, like, in comparison to a show uh, like, say, Flash, which I enjoy, like, a lot of times Flash is just like, he uses his speed to get there. <laughs> he runs up to somebody and then he he lets himself get shot. Like I don't I don't trust Flash to necessarily resolve the situation because <laughs> mm-hmm. he makes he makes a lot of mistakes. Yeah, Wanda, I feel like, oh no, she's going to resolve this. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm a little worried that the person doing it might get a little hurt, but mm-hmm. she's going to take care of this. Yeah, and if her goal is to save me, I'm going to be fine because she is powerful. Yeah, right. Like you're standing on the edge of a cliff. Part of the, the cliff starts to fall down. There's multiple people on it. Wanda, totally who I'm going to call. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. No problem at all. Yeah. yeah. I also would You can't often... call Batman in a, in a you know, uh, natural environment unless they're like big trees. Because if he doesn't yeah. have something to swing on, Batman, <laughs> Batman's got, got some issues. Right. Batman's a very urban superhero. He's an urban superhero. Yeah. I think I would also often call um, the Falcon. Oh, yeah. Slash becoming... The new Captain America. I would trust uh, Captain America. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He's trained hard. He's worked hard and he's focused. He knows. Yeah. He's got real mission objective. Yeah. So if he if he was going to rescue someone, he would know that was the mission and he would complete that mission. Mm-hmm. And he's got empathy. He has a lot of empathy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Here's my final question for you. If there was a superhero show about you, what would your powers be? What would your main challenge be to use those powers? <laughs> you know, just pitch me a show about you as a superhero real quick. Yeah, real yeah, easy. sure. So um, I would be able to jump high and fly so I can count the clouds because <laughs> we need people to do that. Um, my challenge would be to, you know, kind of. OK, I'm, the, here's my pitch. I'm going to try to help with um, the weather. I have the ability to go up into the troposphere, whichever level of the atmosphere is where the weather is created. Wow. Um, and I'm going to try to help cool the earth down like a degree Celsius. 
<laughs> would your superhero name be Cool Woman? Um, mm. <laughs> That's a no. <laughs> I mean, it's better than like Windy Girl or something. <laughs> <laughs> what would your, uh, what, it doesn't need uh, the, what would your name be? Um, 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 I've got, gosh, wow. Yeah, I don't have a good name. Okay. It'll come to me. Well, we'll think about it. Yeah. We'll think about it, because here's the thing. Yeah. Is that is another thing in superhero television uh, uh, storytelling and movie storytelling that they've gotten better about, about how the characters get their names. Because it's almost always that, like, a newspaper reporter or a military report names the characters. And I'm always like, superheroes... If you're going to make a costume and go out there and do things, have some agency. Pick your name. Mm-hmm. Don't just become Sky Lady. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Cloudy. Uh, that, that Somebody will just name you Cloudy. Uh, yeah. You like take some initiative, send mm-hmm. a press release and say, uh, I'm trying to help with the weather. This is my name. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like it. Yeah. I'm Captain Fahrenheit. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. <laughs> Totally terrible. I'm ashamed. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on with a noise to sum up uh, your interest in superhero television shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think that I don't you, know where that came from. I think that can be your catchphrase <laughs> as the uh, weather superhero as well. Right. I was um, busy thinking about that we need Cisco to name my superhero. Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. from the Flash. Good good yeah. namer. Uh yeah. like that convention. That was really great. Uh so on a scale of one to ten, one mm-hmm. being the lowest, ten being the highest, what do you think is your personal obsession level with uh superhero television shows? Mm, I'd say it varies between a six and a seven. Yeah. I think I'm at a kind of solid eight because yeah. it's something that's been a part of my uh life for a long time and it is something that I choose to invest time in watching mm-hmm. so i think it's up there and i'm it, obviously uh, from all our discussions i'm really fascinated about how they're evolving how they're changing what audiences they're speaking to how they're affecting people's lives what what is really just sort of like um always present in superhero shows versus really up for grabs and in need of re-examination yeah all that stuff uh, all right, so I'm going to move on to the part of the show where we plug things. Where would you like to be found <laughs> on the internet? Um, I can be found on Twitter at Sarah underscore Scrimshaw. Excellent. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. For info on uh, upcoming shows, comedy albums, all kind of stuff like that, you can check out my website at josephscrimshot.com. And you can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. Final questions. If you could teleport, but you had to shout a word to do it, what word would you shout? Cloudy sky! (laughs) And then you'd teleport to a weather event. Yeah, wherever I wanted. You know, nice. I'm just going to go see a movie. Nice. If you could have an unlimited supply of anything in the world, what would you choose? Ooh. Wow. Um, Water. <laughs> That's uh, really timely. Really timely, right? It's, it's yeah. very timely. It's also just true of me. I'm often... I, I I like I like drinking my water. Yes, um, you do. And I think that is wise and it keeps you very healthy. And I have <laughs> learned that's the superpower I have learned from watching you. 
<laughs> to drink more water. Final question on the podcast is always, what is happiness? Happiness is laying on your back and counting clouds. That is a beautiful, beautiful answer. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, thank you, Sarah, for having this discussion with me. And every week, that is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. All right. Uh, you, you've inspired me by how you answered one of those questions of a possible superhero name. Are okay. you ready? Yep. How would you feel about being called The Event? Ooh, I like it. Yeah, because you show up at weather events and then you help them be better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take it. Okay, The Event. With a cape or not a cape? Definitely a cape. I'm flying. <laughs> Let's just be practical here. Mm-hmm.